0: Hello, and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. I'm your host for today, Casey Maluli. Joining me at the table this week is Tom, and we have a pretty interesting topic to talk about. It concerns retirement spending, and it's part psychological and uh, part... Habit-breaking. Habit-breaking, but we're gonna talk about Spending money in retirement and how it can feel different to spend money when you're getting income versus spending when it is coming from your investment portfolio. I think the big
1: adjustment for everybody is they've been working for 30 years, 35, maybe 40 years And now they're retired. And so the direction of money has always been during their working career out of their hands and into either an expense or saving for some future event, like paying for a college or a wedding or something like that, or putting money away for your own retirement. And so the money has been going in one direction, out. Now things are starting to shift.
0: Yeah, you're doing the exact opposite. You're taking money and you're not saving money. A lot of retirees or people that are close to retiree, the biggest fear they have is they don't want to run out of money. So they this
1: work. This is the number one answer that we get.
0: Yeah. People when they come to us, people want to be sure that they have enough money to live on, uh, meaning they're going to use their investments, their hard earned savings they're going to use that money to live on for the rest of their life. Most people don't want to go back to work, even if it's part time. So they're relying on their investments to support their their lifestyles along with things like Social Security. Maybe they're getting a pension as well, but uh, it's a big change and it is uh, some people have trouble making that change. And some people will underspend what they can. Some people spend much less than they could spend just because they're, they have that fear that they're, they're going to run out of money. If
1: you're a good saver, you'll recognize this term. Maybe it's a feeling it's called delayed gratification. If you have been a good saver, you know what this is about like I will put off instead of spending money today on something I'm going to just push that down the road into the future but the future for retired folks is now
0: it's now and it nobody knows how long it's going to last for it could last for 10 years it could last for 50 plus years nobody knows and that and that's one of the problems Christine Benz, who writes at Morningstar, we we reference her stuff a lot on videos and podcasts. She's a great writer and and tackles a lot of these uh, important topics for retirees. She wrote about this and we'll link it up in the show notes. One of the things that she suggested to do to solve this issue of spending versus, spending from income uh, versus spending from savings Is to consider an annuity. So she recommends a plain vanilla type annuity, a single premium uh, immediate annuity. So that means you're basically taking a lump sum from your retirement account and using it to purchase a stream of income for as long as you live.
1: Very few people who sell annuities for a living will want you to do this because... Let's call it what it is. They're going to get paid more if you put money into a deferred annuity.
0: Deferred means?
1: I'm not going to be taking money now.
0: Immediate means? Send me
1: a check next month. Okay. And every month thereafter. Right. This is what we're talking about. With an immediate annuity, you're basically flattening out part of your assets into an income stream instead of having this hundred thousand dollars sitting over here, hoping you can get good returns from it. No, I'm going to turn this into $792 a month for the rest of my life or for 10 years, whatever the period
0: may be. Right. So this is what I meant when I said it's a, it's a psychological thing. You could, it's the same basically the same amount of money, but it could feel better to get that 792. That's just an estimation, but to get some cash flow each month from the annuity versus pulling the same amount from your investment portfolio. Right.
1: And it works like a pension check or a social security check where that money comes in every month, like clockwork, never going to change, never have to worry about the stock market, never have to worry about how the economy's doing.
0: You're going to get that income regardless. Yep. So, just to uh throw some some cold water on that idea, I think it it is a good. It could it could if it allows you to feel better about your money then it is a good idea, but there are some things that you should be aware of if this is the route that you go. With an annuity, you sacrifice some liquidity uh, because that, I mean, you're going to be getting a set amount each month, but you can't access the money in a lump sum if you, if you need it.
1: Yeah. Let me take that a step further. When you purchase an annuity that's going to, imme- it's an immediate annuity and you are, to use a, a, an industry term, you're annuitizing this contract. You're getting money now. You have given up the $100,000. So that's what I meant when I said you flatten that asset in the sense that you can't call up the insurance company and say, hey, I want my 100 grand back, or I guess I've taken money out, so I want my $92,000 back. And it does not work that way. So once you turn the money over and say, I would like in return to get a monthly check, that asset pool is off limits. You cannot get it back. No get backs. Yeah no get backs
0: the other thing about uh, fixed annuity and you said that it is going to be the same payment each month i think that is could raise some alarm bells for retirees as well because you know there's this thing called inflation uh, that we've had to deal with over the last 2 years so even when seven- we
1: had, even when we had no inflation there's, right, so still there's still some inflation, up. right? Right.
0: So that 792 that you get each month might not be might not get you as much uh, down the road as it does today. So something to consider if you do decide to purchase an annuity.
1: I'm not a fan of it.
0: I do think that there's uh, there is some some psychological benefits to it, but uh, I agree with you. I think that you can. There's better, there's better
1: ways to do this. You could
0: do. You know, you could have your money in short-term bond funds and just, I guess you're.
1: You can, t- you can tell your advisor, send me $800 a month. You manage it. And the way the advisor ought to do it is they ought to have this money sitting in cash or short-term bond fund to cover the next year of payouts or the next two years or maybe even the next three years of payouts. Let the rest of the money compound. That's that's just the way I would do it.
0: Mm-hmm. That That's one of Christine Benz's suggestions too, is to kind of take it out of your hands and let an advisor handle it for you. One, one of the other suggestions was to tilt your portfolio towards current income. So that means you want to own investments that kick off income. Uh, she mentioned things like, dividend-paying stocks and even tips, which are uh, treasury inflation-protected securities. The idea is you want to have your investments kick off some income. You get that money in, in a monthly uh, check from the investments that you own. And that can kind of relieve some of that burden of spending from your portfolio.
1: I think it's worth bringing up when we talk about getting income from your portfolio. You know, For many years, there was no income to be had. Rates on CDs and even rates on treasuries. You needed a microscope to see numbers that small. So people didn't really talk about, advisors and clients did not really talk about the tax implications that come with that. But if you're getting 5% on a dividend or some kind of interest-bearing account, all of a sudden now you're going to get a 1099. Mm-hmm. Some of that money is going to be taxable, something it, that we didn't have to deal with over the last, say, 15 or 20 years.
0: Right. So you're going to be getting more in income because rates are payout rates are higher, but you're also going to have to pay some taxes on that. So uh, definitely something to consider with that option, not to mention the risk of owning you know, strictly dividend paying securities. I think that's a topic for another video or podcast, but another option she mentions, and this one, I don't know how I feel about this one. It is, she suggested to tie your portfolio withdrawals to your portfolio's performance.
1: I, uh, I will, before we dig into it, I will say right up front, I will do everything in my power to talk you out of doing this.
0: I don't know anyone who would actually do it this way, um, because it kind of feels like. So the the idea is when the market has a good year, let's say the market makes twenty percent in a year, your investments are up. Uh, you can spend more from your portfolio in the year following, and then if the market performs poorly and is down, then you have to cut back spending in the next in the in the following year. So you kind of get punished for doing something that this is assuming your uh, portfolio is properly aligned and and stuff like that. That means you're going to get punished for owning what you should own. and, And I don't know if that feels like a good idea to me. A couple of thoughts.
1: When we've had conversations with clients that have gone down this path, I usually propose, let's play a game. And here's the game that we're going to play. You are going to call me on January 2nd because January 1st is a holiday. But you're going to we're going to have a conversation on January 2nd. You, Mr. client, are going to ask me, "So, how did our investments do last year?" Well, we made 8%. Great. Tom, send me the 8%. Sounds easy. And this is basically what's being proposed. But to do that, first of all, we may have made 8% through December 31st, January 2nd, the market could be down. And so you actually made Mm 7.5%. But it also means selling absolutely every investment that you had in the account. And if we're doing this year after year after year on January 2nd, you're not eligible for long-term capital gains taxes. So everything is a short-term gain. I don't know. I just don't see how that's going to work. The other the other part of this is the the math isn't really going to work because if we have a negative year, are you actually going to
0: send money in to right. your
1: account? Right, I and mean, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah,
0: what's the the number one rule? Uh, don't unnecessarily interrupt the compounding. Right, that's really? what, that's what you do, doing if if you do it that way, hundred percent. Yes. So
1: there was another option that uh, Christine Benz had written about.
0: Yeah, it could be a saving grace for retirees. And that's the fact that spending tends to trend down the longer your retirement lasts. So let's say you retire at age 65. Your highest spending years are probably going to be 65 to 70. Um, She points out that it really starts to trend down around 80s. And then uh, healthcare expenses kind of ticks it up a little bit, but it, it never gets back to uh, where it started at in your you know your first couple of years of, of retirement. so um she says that we talk about the four percent rule a lot that's the rule of thumb that you could spend four percent of your uh, portfolio uh, each year in retirement. she says maybe in the first couple of years you could spend a little bit more than that and then it'll it'll trend down over time. so um, again, that's just a rule of thumb but something for retirees to consider.
1: It's, there seems to be a lot of interpretation and misinterpretation of the 4% rule. And so we found that when clients do bring up the 4% rule, we usually uh, tack on to the conversation that 4% is a good starting point for a dialogue, Right. not a good starting point for distribution. Right. Dialogue Okay. Distribution, eh, not so
0: much. Yeah, that's a good distinction to make. So Christine linked to another retirement study done. Uh, she linked to it in her article. This retirement study was done by Fidelity, and it basically assessed America's retirement preparedness. So they surveyed about 3,500 households, and 48% of those households are going to be, are on track to cover at least their essential expenses in retirement. So that's less than half. Doesn't seem too good. To me, no.
1: It wouldn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling.
0: Only 32% of households are going to be able to cover more than 95% of their total estimated expenses.
1: Say that again real slow.
0: 32% of households are on track to be able to cover more than 95% of their total estimated expenses.
1: That's estimated expenses. It doesn't include stuff that happens Mm -hmm. every year, every month something happens. Not a pretty picture.
0: It's not. And it's interesting because in in Christine's article, she found that the people who have problems with spending money from their portfolios are the people who actually have the most money yeah so people who have socked away they've been really good savers they have learned that delayed gratification that you mentioned earlier Um, they've done a really good job at that and now they can't make the change to uh, start spending their money it depends because some people want to leave their money to uh, their the next generation or donate their money later in life but I don't know a lot of people who want to pass away with with a lot of money unspent. You know, I feel like they would rather have spent that money. And uh, I think it's our jobs, our job as advisors to work with those people and to figure out ways to to make them comfortable with spending from spending an appropriate amount from their portfolios.
1: I know Christine also referenced. A uh, an article in the Washington Post. The funny thing is, it's an article that she's actually referenced okay. to, uh, and we'll link to this in the show notes. How uh, the author had um, her husband had just retired, right? And uh, just just a couple of tidbits out of this. My husband and I are fortunate; we have enough for retirement. But ever since he retired at the end of June, I've felt a, sep- a sleep deprived dread. I worry. Will outlive our money. It talks about how before they retired, they paid off their home. They don't carry any credit card debt. They have no auto loans and they haven't for years. They saved enough to send their three kids to college without any debt. And yet, she writes, I'm scared. This is super common. Yeah. We have this conversation, we hear this a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we have this conversation with folks all the time. It's hard to flip the switch. You've been a very diligent person, saving, saving, saving. Now we want you to reverse course and not become queen of QVC. But it's okay. It's okay to spend a little money.
0: Yeah. So whether that means doing some of the things that Christine Benz uh, mentioned in her article or figuring out what works for you. We're here to help you figure out if you've got this worry and and this question of, can I spend this money? Uh, We're standing by ready to help. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. This was episode 453. don't know if I mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back with you next week.